We're in the midst of a new series. The series is called Above and Beyond, all right? So we're talking about the fact that when Jesus speaks to us here in this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to tell us what's wrong, okay? If this is not your particular wrong, I, I don't know if there's a ton of people that are sitting here today that have taken someone's life. Uh, or had been in a part of something. I know that we have people who have served in war and in different times and different things like that. This, we're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who has taken someone else's life. And so when we, when we, when we talk about it in this sense of murder, um, um, there's not a whole lot of folks that are in the church today that have committed this particular sin. But what we need to understand is that when Scripture speaks to us and when Christ talks to us about this, he's talking about that is the end effect. So we're going to go all the way to the start at each one of these. And we're going to find the foundation that's in our heart that starts that what tumbles downhill that ends up at something like murder. So as we back all of this up, we're going to catch every single one of us. If we don't catch every single one of us every single week, we're going to catch one of, uh, each one of us at some point in time over the next few weeks and months. Why? Because every single person here is a sinner saved by grace of God, right? Amen? All right. So as we study his word and we sit here and think, oh, uh, what Tim's talking about this particular week doesn't really involve me. I've got this all under control. <laughs> probably not, all right? In fact, we're going to get down to the brass tacks of it. Probably uh, you suffer this every Monday morning, or you may suffer it when you go to lunch today and your uh, whatever you order doesn't come out properly the same way that you ordered it or something like that. So as we get down to the, to the very core of what causes us to get to these egregious sins that we look at in culture, we're going to realize that every single one of us falls short of this every single week, if not every single day, all right? So scripture says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard it that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And remember, anytime that you see this in capital, all capital letters in the New Testament, it's a quote from the Old Testament, all right? And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, now this is Jesus saying this, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, all right? Wow. Is he talking to Southerners here? All right. Okay. Shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first be re reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at the law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not have hand over you to be the judge and the judge to the officer and to be thrown in prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. All right. This is almost what the reference to at the end is almost like a debtor's prison. So if you owed someone that they could come and call for you to bring all of that. If you didn't have it, then you went into a debtor's prison until you could pay your way out of it. Now think about this. If you're in debtor's prison and you need to pay your way out, and the only way that you could pay your way out was to earn money, guess where you're going to end up? 
right? You're going to stay in prison, right? Because you have no way to earn the finances to get out. So the issue that we're talking about here today is life, the issue of life. So when we say murder, we're talking about the fact that life can be taken away. Everything that we mention in these verses right here is about in some way, shape, form, or fashion, life being taken away. Scripture says, do not murder. Exodus 20 Verse 13 tells us that in the Ten Commandments. But what I want you to see is what this passage tells you and what Christ says to it. Everything that Jesus tells us over this next section in chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, it's talking about the fact that we know something is right or wrong. And if we try to live our life just by doing that right or wrong and calling ourselves clean because we've never done that, then we are wrong. And we're still wrong because Jesus says that we have to go above and beyond that. And so as we look at the manifestation of what murder is, Jesus breaks this down for us. So I can guarantee you that he's going to catch us on the manifestations of what builds us up to finally get to the point of taking someone else's life. Now look, the matter of life today in our culture means a lot of different things. We've made laws in our government that we can take life before it begins. And there in some places in this country, you can go and at the end of life, you can help somebody else take their life and end it. See, I want you to see something with all of this. What we're going to get down to is that the fact is that another human being is making a decision about taking another human being's life. And that puts us as judge and jury at that point. That's where we cross the line. So when we cross the line about making a judgment about someone else's life, then we have stepped over the line. This is what Christ says to us. The first thing I want you to see is that anger is the foundation of murder, all right? It's the foundation of murder. There is something that we see that is wrong, and we begin to not, it it makes us upset. It upsets us, though, okay? Now, look, I want to, I really want to bring this out. There's no way in church life that if someone has taken someone else's life, like, I'm just, uh, it's not the hot button issue now, but 20 years ago it was the hot button issue, or 25 years ago. When we talk about abortion, for someone to stand up in the church and to say that they should go out and attack a clinic and, and do something else, that is, that's promoting sin against sin. All right? It's never what God calls us to do to do that. Our retaliation for that is not ours. The retaliation on any of this is up to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay? It doesn't say vengeance is mine, saith Tim. I can't stand up here and and in good conscience and doctrinally and as a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, brother and sisters in Christ, tell you to go out and do something that is wrong. We should not do that. So we let our hatred, our dislike, our anger get to us. Have you ever done that before in anything? We so 
dislike or are uncomfortable about something that we become angry with it. Jesus says right here, he says, but I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, and we'll talk about this more in just a second, we'll continue on. But think about it. Remember at the end, he says the court's going to throw you in prison. It's a debtor's prison. You got to be able to pay to get your way out of there and you're not going to be able to do that. So you're going to end up in a spot which you are incapable of helping even yourself. And it starts with the fact that we just get angry with folks. And the reason I said that we're all going to cross this line is because if your lunch doesn't come out the way you ordered it today, are you going to get mad and upset at the person that brought it to you? They didn't cook it. They didn't didn't make it. They may have put the order in wrong or it may have been done wrong somewhere else. You don't know, but what do we do? We get upset there at the table. How about tomorrow when you're driving to work and the person passes you by, maybe does something to you that you don't like, makes a gesture with their hand or something like that, and the next thing you know, you're going down the road, speeding up, trying to catch them to give them a piece of your what? Mind, all right? And we're going to correct this wrong. No, we're not. We're not going to correct that. We have become upset and angry. The best thing to do is just to smile and wave. You know what I'm saying? And just let them go on down the road. Because what happens is, is that this anger builds up inside of us. Have you ever woken up mad? Oh, yeah. I mean, now look, this defies conscious, does it not? What has happened that day to make you mad? You just woke up. Is it the fact that you had to get up? Is that it? All right. The fact that we can make that we can wake up and then automatically be mad defeats the whole purpose of our faith. Consider it all joy if you got to go to work. Consider it all joy whatever the day has to hold before you. Consider it all joy that you're sitting in traffic. You know, all of these things that upset us, we we need to see that this anger This being the fact that we're disgruntled and upset is a foundation that can lead us to something greater, okay? The scripture says this. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 as the example of this. The first recorded sin that we have outside of the garden is Cain and Abel. The first recorded sin that we have is one brother taking another brother's life. And this is the story of how we're going to look and see how this progressed. So it came about in the course of time that Cain, I'm in Genesis chapter 4. I'm looking at verses 3 through 5 if you want to turn there. And so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel on his part brought the, of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat portion. And the Lord had high regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became what? Very angry. And his countenance fell. So let me, let me show you a couple of things here. First of all, what's the difference between Cain and Abel's offering that Scripture tells us that gets the Lord so upset? It says this. It says that Cain just brought an offering. But it says that Abel brought of his firstlings of his flock, and then he also brought of their fat portion. In other words, he didn't just pick something and bring it. He picked the best that he had, and that's what he gave. Cain didn't do that. Cain just picked what was left over. Now, I want you to think about that. 
When we give God what we give God, we give God our leftover time, we give God our leftover money, we give God our leftover talents, and we give the rest of it to everybody else. So we are just like Cain in a lot of cases when we don't give God our best and our first of what we have. And so I want you to think about this in the morning. Instead of when your feet hit the ground, you're all upset and mad because the day ahead of you is not what you want it to be. What if your feet hit the ground or before your feet hit the ground, you spent time with the Lord and you gave him the first part of your day and let him set your mind on a different course? What if you gave him the first fruits of everything that you had? In other words, when you got paid the first thing that you gave was your tithes and offerings and the first thing that you gave was your talents and the first thing that you gave was your service to the Lord and, and putting out that time and separating that time out so that the God did, just doesn't get the leftovers see that sets us apart from Cain and Abel now I want you to see what, what takes place Cain got upset because God didn't honor what he gave oh my gosh this is the 21st century church. We get upset with God because, oh, what? You know what? We wrote a check to him and we gave him a little bit of money and we're not getting our prayers answered. It is not going the way I gave money. I went down there and served on Wednesday and on Sunday. Do they not know that I have taught that Bible study class for at least a year now? And I showed up 50 out of 52 weeks. I only took two weeks off for vacation. So doesn't God know that I have given of my time and now I'm not getting what I want? And so what do we do? We get angry with God and our countenance falls. It's the same thing that happens with Cain. It's the same thing that leads us down this path. A lot of people, a lot of people leave church every Sunday never to return. A ton. I mean, if I told you the statistics, it's thousands Thousands of people will walk into church today for the very last time and never come back. And I can guarantee you that the majority of those people are walking out. Why? Because they're happy. Ooh, I don't ever have to go back there again. Thank the Lord for that. No, they're, they're walking out because they're what? Upset about something that went down in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so their countenance falls. And so we get angry. The second thing that I want you to see, which Scripture tells us, we'll go back up to this in just a second, pull it out where Jesus says this in the passage in the Sermon on the Mount. Hatred is the formation of murder. So then our anger, which is the foundation of murder, turns into hatred. I hate this, that, the other. Do you hate somebody? Do you hate something we hate. I'm not talking about righteous anger, which Jesus displayed in the temple because something is wrong. And we're trying to let everybody, he was trying to let everybody know that he was upset with the wrong that was taking place. I'm talking about good old-fashioned Georgia, Georgia Tech. What is that? Good old-fashioned what? Hate. Good old-fashioned hate. That's right. That's what they call it. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Robert. Good old-fashioned hate. This is the fact that we're angry with each other and we just, we just don't like them. You're not allowed to wear yellow and black in here. You know that, right? All right? Just can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, the Falcons are here. The Bulldogs are here. It's got to be red and... 
and you bleed it, do you not? Do you not? Yes, you do. All right. We love all of you, though. If you, some of you have gone astray and gone to the other side over there on that, we still love you. Jesus says this. He says, You good for nothing. You shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. So if we go out and say that someone is good for nothing, he's basically saying here that we are making a derogatory statement against somebody else. We're professing now our dislike. So not only are we angry about it, we're verbalizing it. Hate is a demonstration of our anger. It's a demonstration. We can be angry and we can be angry inside. But when it is demonstrated out, it is demonstrated out as strong dislike or hate. And so not only does anger be the, it is the foundation of what murder is, that hate is now displayed and it be, murder begins to form inside of us. I know no one has ever in this room just made the statement, I could just kill them. <laughs> You've probably all said it about your children, right? Yeah. Man, they make me so mad sometimes. I could just wrap my hand. I could just, just kill them. All right? Now, look. No one here is going to say, hoo, hoo, we're throwing you in jail because you made that statement. Well, it may be a few more years we might be able to do that here in this country. But right now, you know, it, 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 it's just some kind of words that are flowing out, right? But we have demonstrated what? That we, we have demonstrated the anger that is inside of us, the fact that we're upset. And it is now known to those who are around us. So it says here, when we look at this in Genesis, that Cain's continents had fallen. All right? And then it says this in verse 6. Continue reading. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. So when it's verbalized out, our anger has become known. It is recognizable. It is recognizable for us when we make those statements to somebody else. But it's always recognizable to who? Good answer. It's always recognizable to God. God doesn't look at your outer shell of how you can put on a happy face in this place that I really don't like to go to work to every day or get angry or upset about this and we just kind of fake it till we make it type stuff. Because God's looking all past that. Where's he looking? Right here, straight at our heart. He knew that Cain was upset. He knew why he was upset. And he knew the reason for it. So what does he tell Cain to do? He says, you can fix this or you can give in to it. What happens when we start and we let our anger turn into hate and we start giving in to hate? Whew. That's our world today. A couple of weeks ago, lady walked into, what was it? Was it FedEx she walked into? It was a FedEx, right? And she, no, what? No, it was uh, YouTube. YouTube. Walks into YouTube. 
and she's upset about something. It had turned into, that anger had overflowed, and the next thing you know, she's doing what? Don't tell me that this cannot happen to us. Someone from a pulpit says abortion is wrong. Is abortion wrong? Yes. But then says we should do something about that. That anger turns into hate and it turns into what? Somebody doing something else to somebody else and taking their life. This is the overflow of this. Anger turns into hatred. Hatred then turns into judgment. Judgment is the fruit of murder. Judgment is the fruit of murder. Well, that doctor that does this, he's evil. He's got to what? Got to go. He's got to go. We do not, we do not have the right to do that. Unless there's a law that is in our country that they have broken and our, our laws and our country and our judges are doing that, we do not have the right person to person to go out and do that. That would be just Wild West, wouldn't it? Be just going back, well, he said this about me. You know what I'm saying? And we're just going around exacting out our own righteousness upon everybody else. We become the judge. We become the jury. So go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother. And it came about that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and he killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Lie. I am, am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth and receives your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, you will no longer, it will no longer yield its fruit to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Cain became Abel's judge. And he took Abel's life because the fact that he allowed his anger to turn to hatred and then he made the snap judgment. Look what it says here. Go back up when Jesus is talking. Jesus says, anyone who says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into a fiery hell. Has anyone ever called somebody else a fool? Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe. When we call someone else a fool, we are making, a, that is a judgment statement, is it not? They're an idiot. I mean, good grief. You can't vote in this country and not call the person on the opposite side a fool, right? How in the world could you ever pull a slot for that person? So every single one of us is guilty of this at the core. At the very core, every one of us. Have we pulled the trigger? In some cases, and in a lot of cases, in most cases, no. But if we get down to the very brass tacks of it, if we get down to the simpleness of what Christ says, then we have broken this. Where does he say we're going to end up? Fiery hell. 
And then he says, here on this earth, you're going to be thrown in a debtor's prison. And you're going to have no way to get yourself out. What did the Lord say to Cain? The Lord said to Cain, you have cursed yourself. Do you believe Cain's in heaven? Hmm. But then he also said what? He said, you're going to work that ground and it's going to produce what? Nothing. Nothing. You're going to be a wanderer in this world forever. What would the New Testament word for that be? Would it might be like someone who is lost? Someone who is separated from God? Living but not alive? That's the picture to us. <laughs> and in this culture today, with everything that's going on, zombie-like? Living, but what? Dead? So, how in the world do we avoid this? We avoid this by doing the above and beyond. The above part is simply this, our temperament. We got to learn to control our temper. And temperament is not just about love and anger. Temperament is about attitude and about perspective of how we go through life. We talked about this Wednesday night, a couple of Wednesday nights ago. I've already given it to you. James says, consider it all joy. Do you consider it all joy? When you go through various trials. Because it is working out the perseverance or the endurance of your faith. How many of you like it when it doesn't go your way? Come on, raise your hand. Oh, yeah, I live with that one. Yeah, she loves it when things don't go her way. Come see us at lunch. I'm just kidding. None of us like it truly when it gets down to it, when it doesn't go our way. Why? Because we want it to go our way, right? We do. We want the things that we do to prosper. We want the ways that we do things to prosper. We want to be doing that which is right. But we don't want to consider it joy when our faith is then put to the test. Because we make statements like, I want to be a better person. So guess what? God gives us opportunities to be a better person. But he gives us opportunities to be a better person to the nice people of the world? No, no. He gives us opportunities to be a better person to those who we have issue with. So that way, shape, form, and fashion, our faith is put to the test. For us to be able to rise above anger, we have to be able to control our temperament. And look, I want to tell you this. I love my father, okay? I do. My only child. Love my dad. My dad gave me such great examples and so many things in life, but this right here was my dad's downfall. Man, he could go off in about two seconds. And he knew all the four-letter words. And whether he used them in proper context or not was not of any avail to him. And as the only son, and as working with him, and being on the job site, and being, look, I was 15, 16, 17 years old, and I was vicariously through my dad's eyes ahead of a crew who, of 30, 40, 50-year-old men because I was his son. And if it didn't go right, 
he had this, he had these, uh, the, what were they, two-way radios back in the day? Y'all remember those? Yeah, uh, all right, so you have the two-way radios and stuff. And so every truck in my dad's company had those. So when my dad went off on me, it was done in four or five different places. Shouts all over the world. But the thing about it was, is that my dad's temper was like this. My dad was like, and then, hey, let's go get some ice cream. You know what I mean? You all right? Everything okay with you? You know, that kind of thing. And it was like it was over. It's never over like that, is it? Temperament is so important. Because you can be nice 90% of the time, but if you lose it one-tenth of the time, guess what everybody else remembers? When you lose it. When you lose it. So we've got to be under control. The gift of the Spirit from that is called self-control. We have to learn to control ourselves. The only way that we're ever going to rise above this and never get to the point where we think that, oh, that'll never happen to us. Sure. Every week we hear about somebody getting together for a family event or some party or something, and somebody has what? Shot somebody else because they got mad at what was going on. Everybody here don't love everybody in their family. I know that. So, <laughs> so if we don't control our temperament, <laughs> we could get to that point. All right? James 1.19 says this, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. All right? So how, that's the way we rise above it. How do we move beyond all of this? We move beyond all this through reconciliation. <clears throat> there are people that we don't like. And if we allow our anger for those people to manifest itself into hatred, then we're going to start the judgment process. So we got to stop it. We got to move beyond all this by building bridges of reconciliation. Christ calls us, and we're going to, well, Paul tells us, but Christ calls us to reconciliation. We have been reconciled to Christ. Therefore, we are looking to reconcile other brothers and sisters out there or the people of the world who are lost back to him. That's our job here. That's totally our job. How are we going to have a ministry of reconciliation when everybody goes, hmm, they'd be a great person if they could just learn to control their anger? Or how many of us could sit next to someone else in the church who's wronged us? That's a hard thing. It really is. But it's who we have to be to become what God wants us to be. So we have to reconcile ourselves to other people. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. <clears throat> I throw this in here because we, we don't generally put verse 17 with verse 19. Okay? We read them separately. But I want you to see them together because this is a letter. So Paul says, therefore, in verse 17. Therefore is a summary statement. Since everything else I've already told you is true, therefore, this is what has to happen. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
told y'all before myself, I've lost my temper. It used to be more often when I was younger and we were first married. And my excuse to my wife was, is that, you know what? This is how I was raised. This is how I was brought up. This is what it was like. This is how I deal with it. So because this is how I deal with it, you deal with it. (laughs) Needless to say, that doesn't work. That didn't fly, did it, honey? Nah, mm mm-mm. Nah, man. I ain't your mama. I ain't putting up with that stuff. That's what I got. You may have a little difference in how your relationship went, but that's what I got. So I couldn't sit here and say, well, she's going to change and deal with it because I'm just like I was raised. I'm going to be like I was raised. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says what? I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. There is no excuse. Your bloodline is not an excuse. How you were raised in your heritage is not an excuse. Brother Paul gave me an amen right there, so y'all all know that's right. <laughs> if I hadn't said nothing else true, you know that's true. All right? So, if we're a new creature in Christ, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Christ has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Our job is not to hate everybody else in the world. Our job is to see them reconciled to Christ just like we were. Namely, God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the same word of reconciliation. Is it? Okay. I sin every day. I'm your pastor. True confessions here. Every day. Every day I sin. Christ forgives me of my trespasses and my sins. So what makes me think that I am not responsible to forgive those around me who trespass me? I have no excuse. Uh Uh-uh, they wronged me. That's me they're talking about. That ain't happening to me. Yeah, it did happen to me. Something happened here Friday. Not going to call the restaurant because this could be someone could hear that. I don't want to get out in the community or anything. Went to get lunch for everybody. And when I got lunch for everybody, I ordered some French fries and they didn't give me my French fries. (laughs) I got back to the fellowship hall and we didn't have any French fries. So we had to eat potato chips. Everybody here was like, you need to call down there and make that right. They're going to make that right, Tim. They're going to give you fries next time you go for free. You just call them. They'll write your name down on somewhere and they'll give you French fries for free. And then one, I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not worried about it. It's just, it is what it is. We got potato chips. We, we're all good, right? And somebody came up to me and said these words, man, you ain't as nice as I, I mean, you much nicer than I would have been. That's our job. And my job as a pastor is to be nicer than you. And that's hard sometimes because some of y'all are pretty nice. You cannot lead someone else. You cannot be an example to someone else unless you're willing to go there. 
So we can't ever raise children who have, will not pitch a fit in Walmart <laughs> if we cannot display the proper temperament before them. And when the kid has pitched a fit in Walmart and the mama pitches a fit on the kid in Walmart, we're going, mm-hmm, aren't we? You know you are. You know you are. You're going, "Mm mm-hmm, I see where that came from right there. (laughs) You have crossed the line with Jesus right here, all right? When we do that, we have crossed the line. We judgment. We passed it. Instead of going, how can I help you? Are you all right? Ooh, is there any way that I can help you? You go, I ain't getting nowhere near that right there. That is a train wreck ready to happen. Everybody's coming unglued. This is us, guys. This is what God's called us to. Into the fire, into the fray. All of us sit here and say, never taken someone's life like that. But we have all crossed the line of judging somebody else. We all have crossed the line of being angry and hating. And when we have done that, Jesus says, you've done the same as this one. And you're under the same penalty as that person. They're locked up in jail. We're locked up in our sin. We got to let it go. Let's go to the Lord. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for the fact that your word speaks truth. The fact that your word not only speaks truth in one place, your speaks, it speaks truth over and over and over to us. Old Testament, words of Christ, words of Paul. We've seen it over and over again, Father. We cannot just give ourselves a pass. Father, help us to lay down that which encumbers us and to walk the walk and talk the talk and live the life so that others might be reconciled to you. Bless us, Lord. Keep us. Show us grace and mercy so that we might have the opportunity to show grace and mercy to someone else. These things we pray now in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand together. This is a time of decision.